From beach towels to tea towels, and from mugs to water bottles, the TNT Shop has it all. Browse our shop now at tntradio.live. This is World Stage with Bruce DeTorres on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. World Stage indeed. Exposing the tyrannies and exploring our power with deep dives into history, current events, dangerous trends, and the nature of reality. At the top here, a quick announcement. Coming up in March is the COVID Litigation Conference Part 2. Read all about it at covidlitigation.com. Our mission is clear. It's to make it easier and faster for lawyers to get trained in COVID litigation, enabling them to advocate for those who have suffered unjustly as a result of COVID policies. The stories we hear daily underscore the pressing need for legal representation for those who have lost jobs, loved ones, their education, their small business, and their health due to a range of unjust and harmful policies. Workers are winning reinstatement, back pay, and interest from their mandate cases all across America, even in deep blue districts. Millions more have viable claims, but we need more lawyers in the fastest growing field of civil litigation. The COVID Litigation Conference Part 2 takes place in Las Vegas, March 7 to 8. Panelists include attorneys Warner Mendenhall, Bobby Ann Cox, Ryan Heath, and Jeff Childers, and activist Scott Shira and former former pharma R&D executive Sasha Ladipova. Again, learn all about it at covidlitigation.com. With me this hour is Matthew Arrett, founder maybe co-founder of risingtidefoundation.net, author of many books and articles and essays, presenter of many presentations, giving comprehensive, broad, and deep dives into many, many varied aspects of history, culture, psychology, arts, literature. One of the most brilliant young minds that I have come across in my lifetime I tell him, hopefully not to his embarrassment, that he does with history what Mozart does with music. And he has his own show here on the awesome and incredible TNT. Thank you very much for joining me today, Matt. How are you? No, oh, always a pleasure. And always, always happy to receive your your wonderful, wonderful, overly ego-inflaming compliments uh, <laughs> and introductions. Uh, yeah, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty cool. Um, no, but dude, I, honestly, I, it's a real big pleasure. And I do do the opening uh, show for you, I guess. You could think of it that way uh, here on TNT as well. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in the TNT mode. I just finished my show. So when I got the call to come on and, and chat with you, it's... It, it was a pleasure, not not too much of a shifting of the gears. I I think you've got seven or eight clones in your closet who all look like you and talk like you and sound like you. Your volume of production and output, you know, maybe it's the couple of decades I think I have on you, Matt. It just blows my mind, and the quality of your of your uh, work, insights, the um pictures it helps me see and the way it connects dots hey i think that's the name of your show connecting the dots ah. and this is also in praise of risingtidefoundation.net just as a one place for folks to start to find you and your prolific and impressive output risingtidefoundation.net also your channel on rumble 
Not to mention the people who come and share a screen with you, share a microphone with you, share a Zoom with you is testimony to you and the quality of your work and your character and your goodness. Because without that, that's why you are just this amazing uh, package to me. So I'm taking a deep breath to ask you some oh. specific questions. All right. Sure. Well, okay. first you can, you can reply to all that, but, or. No, I'll reply. I'll, re I'll reply. Hold on. Okay. Oh, then I got a question. Oh <laughs> gosh. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. <laughs> Gee Willikers. My, uh, my boss had trying day when I, when he catches some praise like that, he'll say, well, golly, wally doodle. Anyway, um, <laughs> tell me, how did, how did you get into this, this love of history and this habit, this momentum of production? There's no other word to describe your output, your love with, of history. How'd you, how'd that develop for you? And how did it become this, this career on so many fronts? Hmm. That's a good autobiographical question. Um, it, it's, it's tough. I, I know I hated history in school. I, I did terrible at it. Um, but that's, that's typical. I mean, you know, they, they teach history in such a, a spiritual dead manner. You know, there's no purpose. It was never made clear to any of the students. And it's most, it's the same for most people. I think, uh, listening to, to our chat right now that, they don't give you a sense of like why why is this important learning about the 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 battle of the plains of abraham in the 1750s in quebec you know like how does the how do these things matter to my life so it's 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 completely soul deadening deadening the way that it's commonly taught and then you get into the world and you start discovering through whatever process you know i i think both you and i had 911 as a big shakeup uh, a wake-up call that that we're being lied to and that there's something really bad has taken over our governments and that has some very bad agendas and intentions which require that people believe lies that maybe look pretty and sound sound nice but are actually designed to cover a very d disturbing um agenda which when i when you know we we're shaken up it's scary and and you want to know why why is this happening because like I had a few friends who were conspiracy theorists and they were doing a very bad job um, of trying to persuade me that our society was taken over. And some of them were into like David Icke, shape-shifting li lizards, you know, sucking our fear, fear energy, things like that. And and I couldn't really go along with that line of reasoning to a certain point. Um, so it kind of turned me off. I threw out the baby with the bathwater and I, I kind of like doubled down on, on being a normie for a couple extra years. And that probably wasted some time. And and so one point for me was when I think I'd, I'd, I'd stumbled on a, a lecture in around 2004 of Mike Rupert, um, who was a now deceased investigative reporter who did some really wonderful uh, research and was able to present with facts um, and, and, and coherent lines of reasoning how international drug flows are organized through this banking system, how this was tied to 9-11, how this tied into the murder of JFK. And for, I was shocked because here it was, here for the first time, my mind was being taken into consideration as somebody was uh, bringing me to these, these broad, uh, scary, I mean, shocking 
revelations and conclusions that my earlier friends who were more incompetent at because they they were they jumped straight to being convinced about something without taking the time to truly discover why it's true. So when they started speaking, it was sloppy. Whereas Mike Rupert was rigorous. He wasn't sloppy. He didn't skip steps. And he told me what reference books he read, what what research he read. So I was taking notes and I was like, okay, well, if what you're saying is true, then I can discover it too. And and at first I wanted to disprove him. So I was like, I'm going to follow. I'm going to buy the books that you've re- you've just cited. I'm going to I'm going to find the resources you've just cited in your presentation. And ev- and everything I I was looking at only corroborated that what he said was true. It became more of a grounded, uh, something I could really own. And then the point of liberation for me was like, well, if I could just discover something this grand that most people can't even see, PhDs and people who are supposed to be really smart people can't see it. If I can see it and I'm pretty stupid, well, then I can teach it. I can I can use this power of communication to teach what I know and know more. And that that means that there's something that can be done. It became a very empowering, liberating thing. And so it became a bit of an obsession at that point in my life to just try to read source material, understand things as best as I can, and at a certain point, I, I got in with the LaRouche organization after a couple of years of, of wrestling, trying to map out evil, and I didn't have a sense of solutions. I made a sense, a, a commitment that I was going to shut up and stop talking because what the, the the best that was happening was when I was successful at communicating what I knew about the grand conspiracies, I would and I would either make somebody totally demoralized. So, you know, I'm like, that's useless. Now I've just made you do. I have no idea what the solutions are. I've just depressed you. Um so I, it would have been better if you were just ignorant. So I was like, and and or or if I'm not successful, I people think I'm crazy. So I'm like, I'm just gonna shut up. And so I went for about a year of of just shutting up and trying to be a normie. It was really hard, not natural. And then um, I made this one pledge that always in the back of my mind that if I could come to any way of looking at reality in our in our dark past from the standpoint that there is some solution to be done. I will start. I will devote myself to that, and and so I I was on a smoke break. I encountered the the Larouche organization at a certain point and became provoked by a bunch of people in this. They had a small office in Canada, representing this old ninety or eighty something year old uh, American I never even heard of, and I thought I was informed. and uh, And uh, they were very positive people, very very optimistic in their spirit. And, and I was like, I, how could you know what you know about the depopulation agenda and all this stuff and, and still be positive? I'm, I know about these things. And I'm negative. So I, I, I found what LaRouche was saying uh, that it, it, I disagreed with a lot of it, but it was, it was like consistent. I was like, okay, you're, you're 80 something. You've been to federal jail. You've been prosecuted by Robert Mueller in the eighties. You've been like demonized like crazy. Everything I was Googling about him which was just saying he's an evil cult leader, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, wait a minute. If, if, the, if our society thinks that you're crazy and you've been so consistent fighting against the Rockefeller takeover of America, you've been calling out all of this stuff, means you're probably doing something kind of good. <laughs> so I wanted to uh, understand how he's thinking. And so I started trying to follow uh his his mode of of reasoning in his the essays I was encountering that he had written in the 70s and the 80s and trying to disprove some of the claims he was making and using the same method I was using for Mike Mike Rupert and um and found I couldn't disprove most of what he was saying and it it enriched my mind quite a bit it, it, it had me immerse myself in Plato in the original writings of a lot of the great thinkers Kepler Leibniz a lot of the people who made discoveries 
And then that fed back into my own research in like politics and trying to understand history. So I, I have this sort of, he gave me an appreciation for looking at, at science, at the battles in science, how science has been obscured by looking at the original writings of people who made discoveries, do the same thing for arts. And he helped me appreciate the unification between arts and sciences that then played right back into the battles over society politically. So I've been trying to like use that method and it's been, it's been working pretty well. To say the least, from the top, did you get to know Michael Rupert personally? I was just uh, downloading everything I could from uh, the internet, from, from BitChute. Or not BitChute, it was uh, Bit, BitCurrents. Or Bit, BitCurrent? You know what I'm talking about, right? Where people would download little bits of video particles back in like the 2004, 2005 period. BitTorrents, that's it, BitTorrents. And, uh, uh, that, and yeah, no, it was okay. It was kind of alternative to YouTube, but I was just watching as much as I could and reading what I could of, and, of him. And I think he was the author of Crossing the Rubicon, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Yeah, it was a great book. Yeah. And I've seen his um, peak oil idea be shredded. What's what do you remember about that? He was wrong about that. Yeah, he was. I'm, t I'm quite persuaded he made a mistake. And uh, bit the bait, yeah. bait on the peak oil thesis. Uh, yeah, I'm, but I no, I, I, yeah, but I, I also uh, enjoyed what I learned and read about him and by him in the mid two thousands. How he ex was, you know, involved with exposing the CIA and drugs, and then subsequently, I've heard claims and people very certain saying, "Well, he was former CIA and he was a limited hangout." Have you heard anything about that? I've heard that. I don't, I just don't see it. I mean, I think that from the, the errors, the things that he said that I disagree with, I can account for as being an honest mistake. Um, mm -hmm. That's my hypothesis. If, if he was a limited hangout, he was damn good. I, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. And I think that his demise was very, very sketchy and even scary or sad, you know. Uh, do you recall this hearing any story about how he left us? I didn't. I thought it was something more natural, but I didn't look more into it than that. What, what did you hear? <sighs> this is from the dustbins of my memory, but that he was despondent. It may have been natural, but that there were people on the phone with him. And he said, they're coming to get me. And it's how he, he may have uh, the account. And this is just oh, yeah? from my foggy memory. So we don't have to, you know, put more mm. time um, into that. I love what you're bringing forth about uh, LaRouche over the last uh, Zooms and other experiences I've been able to appreciate uh, from you. And you started to, it sounded like, the it opened up hope so how would you describe because you are obviously unleashed solving that problem of being negative and you know ruining people's day with what you knew you're you're far beyond that it's all it's so so very very empowering about um human nature and the possibilities of our creative imagination with me is matthew errett tnt host also part of founder co-founder we'll clarify that on the other side of risingtidefoundation.net and here now is important information from today's news talk tnt tnt's jason olborn al gore can't get a single thing right 
and yet he gets another chance, for example, to uh, come out and tell us that if we don't do this, we're all going to be dead. And yet now we're learning that uh, in Ireland, for example, they're going to slaughter 200,000 cattle for the climate. I mean, aren't they doing it to us anyway, one way or another, whether we they pretend that we're heating up the world, we're all going to burn out, or if we starve, isn't it the same result that, they, that they're setting out to do? Well, this has got nothing to do with climate. It's got nothing to do with the environment. Uh, this is a new scam, and it's a case of follow the money. Al Gore has become a multi-billionaire from frightening, frightening people witless about a mythical climate change. And if you only looked into the past, you'd see that the variation that we're currently enjoying today is far less than previous variations. Weekends with Jason Olborn on today's News Talk. TNT, a better business tip from TNT Radio. News Talk Radio listeners are some of the most active and involved listeners of any format. TNT Radio listeners rely on TNT Radio often as their primary source of information. They trust TNT Radio and are highly engaged with the content. If you'd like more information about advertising on TNT Radio, simply fill out your details on our contact page and we'll be in touch. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. Today's News Talk Radio. Come on, let the man talk. We never censor our hosts. Good. Now, talk. Uncensored News. Today's News Talk Radio. TNT. For a complete list of shows and our schedule offered on TNT Radio, simply visit our website at tntradio.live. We serve up the latest live news and current affairs presented by a host of credible and expert commentators who can separate fact from fiction, truth from propaganda, keeping you in the loop at today's news talk, TNT. Matthew Errett, okay. Your your immersion in finding a way to report the realities that are killing us and wrapping them in what you have found and what you are convinced about reasons to be cheerful, to simplify it tremendously. What would you say as general statements about the, the solutions, the reasons to be cheerful, even at this stage of a number of aspects of our empire, really, really, really teetering on the edge of horrible cliffs? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I'd necessarily word it as reasons to be cheerful per se. I mean, I'm 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 okay with melancholy, you know, like there's a certain optimistic sadness that I uh, that I kind of I'm I'm used to feeling. Um and it and I say optimistic because I do believe that humanity has overcome this sort of crisis um in my studies many times i've also noticed that the oligarchy is a lot less competent than the image that the oligarchy wishes to project onto their victims uh, or those who they wish to be their victims so there's this idea of psychological um terror presented by the idea that they have been at this for so long that everything that they've wanted they get you know they want buildings to fall they make buildings fall they want to bomb a country they bomb a country they want to have a a, a dragnet surveillance state to destroy they get that and it's like well when i looked when i began researching history after meeting um the larouche organization representatives and starting to research that material um, I began to recognize that this is not the first rodeo. This is not the first time the New World Order has has been attempted. 
but I began to appreciate that there have been multiple attempts at consolidating this new world order, this essentially global feudalism, and many attempts. I mean, just in the, in the 20th century alone, at least three big attempts before even 1950 to get a one world government based upon a transhumanistic, aka uh, eugenics religion for the uh, the governing class to manage the the depopulated, dumbed down um, cattle, human talking cattle under some form of fascist world uh, enforcement mechanism under central bankers. That's like, that's what was attempted in 1921 or 1919 to 1922. There was a big fight uh, around the League of Nations uh, as a solution to the, the First World War. And it's not like the, the League of Nations was supposed to fail. It was supposed to succeed. It's the fact that it failed. We should look at, well, who were the nationalists around the world, especially in the United States, around Warren Harding, around uh, William Lyon Mackenzie King and, and the O.D. Skelton, uh, you know, 1920s liberals in, in Canada who were working with the Irish Free State um, as well against the roundtable movement, against the, the Fabian Society, who were vicious, vicious killing many of these leaders um, as well against the roundtable movement, against the, the Fabian Society, who were vicious, vicious killing many of these leaders but despite the fact that many of these leaders did die i mean warren harding died and 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 you know uh uh, uh walter rathenau the, the finance minister of foreign minister of germany got killed and many many people died but despite their getting killed the the new world order agenda was derailed they it, they didn't get what they wanted it was supposed to be the end of history back in 1923 right um then they tried it again in 1932 it was derailed. It was there was there was nationalist patriots acting upon their understanding of universal history in the battle against empire. People like Franklin Roosevelt carried out a massive battle inside of the the, the London Banking and Monetary Conference in 1933, and mm. destroyed that attempt to create that that. And it was attempted again with the more fascist, hard-handed uh, approach funded by Wall Street and London bankers and, and a bunch of Trotskyists in in Russia, working also with French fascists as well. So they attempted that. Um, they wanted Nazism to be the dominant uh, enforcement mechanism of the New World Order because it was obedient to a higher managerial class above it, all part of an occult priesthood around the Thule society, Satanism, eugenics in the form of, of transhumanism. So it, it it's very empowering in that sense to see that they have failed, though they want to project this idea that they are like gods and there's no point fighting them, except today they mm. use language like transhumanist material like AI, you know, it's like, we've got AI We're we're you're in the panopticon, right? The modern panopticon, everybody's watching you. There's no point trying to have a bad thought because you'll be in trouble. So just be, you know, a well-behaved plebe. And it, it it's designed to, to castrate our, our, our mental moral potency to actually organize against it. But then I look at what, um, Incompetence is endemic in the oligarchy that every time they get close to what they want, they they do things that end up blowing up in their faces, right? Uh, many of the, the the dominant oligarchs that were funding Hitler didn't benefit ultimately when Hitler started going off the rails and wanting to be the senior partner in the New World Order instead of being a junior partner, obedient to the the, the London bankers. And they, you know, there was a giant uh, Nicene infighting within the oligarchy as well over like, do we do we continue this plan? 
Some of them, Lord Lothian wanted it. Lord Halifax wanted Neville Chamberlain. They wanted to continue with their the thing they put decades of work into. They're like, we can't stop now. Look, you know, King George the or Edward the Eighth was like, yeah, let's let's keep on going forward. Um, and and then another faction was like, no, well, we we screwed up. <laughs> we have to abort the Frankenstein monster. Try to lift lift the fight another day. And they they've been trying to like reorganize themselves since then. And I, I see that there is resistance. Uh, a lot of the nations of the the multipolar alliance. When I look at the the speeches of Putin, uh, Sergei Glaziev, uh, many of the leading uh, intelligentsias within uh, China seem to have a very solid idea of the nature of this historic battle and the nature of this enemy. And many of them are have been reading LaRouche's material, like Sergei Glaziev, the Minister of Macroeconomic Integration of Russia of the Eurasian Economic Union. He openly gave a giant, beautiful eulogy uh, last year to LaRouche on uh, the anniversary on his anniversary, um, though dead. Um, and Glaziev demonstrated one of the, the most in-depth understandings of LaRouche's science of physical economy in the American system than anybody I'd ever seen. And this man has power. He has influence. And he's like talked about how he was he began studying LaRouche back in the 90s. Um, similarly, there's, you know major high-level people in um, China that, who took on what LaRouche had been saying back in the early 90s regarding the Belt and Road Initiative, the, the the new Silk Road. This is something that conferences were hosted with LaRouche being brought into Beijing back in the 90s, talking about the need to create this, this structure of uh, national banking, protectionism, long-term credit emissions for big infrastructure tied to leaping over lim the limits to growth to destroy the arguments of the Malthusians that want to always maintain the idea that we have to live to live in scarcity. That was being brought in in the 90s. And you could listen to the speeches, uh, read the reports by LaRouche to the Chinese that have been adopted as national policy. So it gives me hope. I want to, I wanna, Matt, I want to yeah. circle that for a, mi a minute mm. because I, I, I read the first two and a half of your four volume, I think it is, Clash of Civilizations. That's the right title, right? Uh, close, Clash of the Two Americas, yeah. Thank you. And have recently dug further into Anton Chaitkin, uh, brought forward through some of your events. And you just well described the incredibly effective and empowering elements of Hamilton's system of economics, uh, the American system, which basically caused the major eras of prosperity and growth and productivity and development in the United States and where it's implemented in these other countries. Talk about that, if you would, for this purpose. Mm -hmm. the, the hope that when more humans on the planet, wherever they are, but especially in the United States, understand the clash of the two Americas, understand the near miraculous power of that those economics to strengthen a sovereign nation while facilitating their functioning as citizens in a republic that is forces the government to be responsive to the wants needs desires and will and welfare and well-being of the people because uh please do that and if you need me to summarize that long-winded question happy to do it no, I mean it's great. Um, I, I it's, it, and I love the fact that you you really resonate to this. Um, and I, 
for me, that was that was what I needed, really. Um, when I was telling you that I I didn't have a sense of of hope um, that the new world because I was like, OK, the new world order has been at this or the, the oligarchy has been at creating this whole grand scheme for so long. Um, it seems like they've killed everybody good. What what can you do? You know, it's just a matter of just waiting for the big kill to hit, you know, and, and so I didn't know that there was such a thing as this American system as it as it was self-identified by leading factions of uh, the advisors of Abraham Lincoln, like Henry C. Carey and his father and the clay factions of the Whigs that were advising uh, Zachary Taylor and uh, William Harrison. And they were all Hamiltonians. Um, same thing for McKinley, uh, who was trying to revive the protective tariff and long-term cr uh, credit development against empire for other nations as well. Uh, Roosevelt studied this thoroughly. Franklin Roosevelt, who survived two assassination attempts, JFK was tapping into this um, and had a lot of advisors. It wasn't one. It wasn't a partisan thing. It was just patriots who hate empire and love humanity and the ideals of the American Revolution would would tend to resonate together at different times in history. Not always understanding the same depth as as you know as each other, but they were all resonating to the same universal principles that, in practice, had certain uh mechanisms that would be needed to be brought online so that 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 gave me the edge that i really was desperate for and it, it's allowed me to understand a lot about our current situation as well and appreciate what countries how is it that countries uh like leading eurasian powers of china of russia have been able to do battle with the international deep state which is highly penetrated into both of their countries over centuries Right. It's like we're not alone. It's not like we're the only country here in Canada and the United States with with deep states. Everybody's got a deep state. It's 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 more than any nation. It's a supranational entity that utilizes banking, but it's not banking. It utilizes a few things. It utilizes intelligence, but it's not that either. It 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 is really like a religious cult, which has been maintaining continuity since the ancient days of Babylon as a mystery cult with a high priesthood that has certain techniques of initiation. And, and grooming humanity out of its initiates, the, the the qualities that make us fundamentally human are groomed out based on a certain set of um, practices, belief structures that justify these nasty, perverse practices that then perpetuate like a it's like a parasite. It's it's, hmm. it's, it's, it's that can only destroy itself ultimately after killing its host. So you know th this American system is is more than America. It's called that. Um, because it was given its go its greatest definition after the American Revolution, but it's based on a system of using national power to solve problems in defense of people and, and against oligarchy. That's essentially the the clearest way to say what is it? it that's what mm -hmm. it is. It's the utilization of national power to solve problems in defense of people and against oligarchy. That's what the, the American system was. And anytime mm -hmm. you see it expressed, even though it's not necessarily called that by the Chinese, if you look at solving problems utilizing central banks that are run by the state that haven't been privatized because China unlike us were successful in fighting off the central the privatization of their national banks we failed we got the fed uh the europeans got the european central bank the chinese actually were able to keep it together the russians are trying to catch up right now they had a private central bank in the 90s they're trying to get control of that thing and have it serve the people china's been able to emit trillions of dollars of credit for industrial development building hospitals schools pulling people out of poverty and so it's like the proof is in the pudding 
in terms of what they've been able to accomplish and creating massive abundance, um, getting out of the, the the Paris Accords. You know, like people are like, oh, well, why is China out? You know, why why did they escape uh, or break out of the Paris Accords? Is like, is it because the oligarchy let them? It's like, no, because they fought against the oligarchy, which has been trying to keep them in the same, th the same reason why they didn't do the mRNA jabs. They resisted it. It's not like the, the oligarchy let them get away with not doing mRNA jabs. It's they fought like hell against the, the deep state fifth colonists tied to the World Economic Forum embedded like Jack Ma inside of China that were pushing it, pushing for evil social credit to reward people for depopulation ac actions. They fought against that. They jailed Jack Ma. They fought against Pfizer. They kept no mRNA. You know, at Russia as well. Uh, said like no to the 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 uh, GMOs in food, right? Like Putin just said, like no, we're stopping all GMOs years ago. Um, they just did what what America would is allowed to do if we actually act like a sovereign nation or any country in Europe. So you know, there's there's a power of that sovereign nation state. And in my books, I try to really get across that anything good in America from the eight American presidents that died in office, or, and you can add assassinated Hamilton to that mix or Bobby Kennedy, who would have been president or vice president uh, Hobart under uh, McKinley, who also died a mysterious death. There's many others, but they were all invoking this same principle of constitutional banking and a foreign policy outlook based on win-win cooperation, looking for points of harmony, building up, helping nations help themselves, by going to poor countries that have been victimized and helping them stand on their own two feet by assisting with the with the provision of giving industrial aid, building infrastructure so that these countries could become truly economically sovereign. Mm -hmm. Um, which so that's that's all it's that's what I try to do in my book series and and other things. You know? Well, it's 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 so vital because part of that also is that those policies allowing a country to produce its way into wealth and strength so that it can defend and maintain its independence with mm. manufacturing. And mm. right there is the indictment of what's wrong with the globalization of the last 30, 40 years here in America as well, a vast uh, percentage of we don't produce what we need to consume much anymore. To be continued on the other side, of this very important information from today's news talk, TNT. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. The United States has really been sold a bill of goods. And I've talked about this several times. I've talked about the people that are running this country are literally bullying the United States. And it's hard to believe that the American people actually let them get away with it, except that if you watch, let's say, Jesse Waters prime time sometimes, and you see the man on the street interviews, you realize these people, and they're all voting, know nothing about what's going on, or maybe even less than nothing if that's possible. Now, it's fascinating. We talked about the coal plant issue a couple of days ago. How have carbon emissions changed since 2000. China is up 208%. India is up 158%. Other countries are up 53%. The US is down 10%. Europe is down 16%. Now, here is the question. How is the United States letting these other countries get away with it? And it's kind of simple to understand that the complacency and comfort of the capitalist system and freedom that has developed in the United States 
is building the road it's riding to its own death. Why? Because they're allowing our leaders to simply do whatever they want to do while other countries get away with it. And you want to know something? I don't have anything against China and India for trying to improve their way of life. But why is it the United States and Europe are committing suicide? This is TNT climate and weather watchdog meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you got. People might tell you that Lyme doesn't kill people, but we are losing people. People disappear from their lives. One of the scariest things that I had to deal with was uh, memory loss. Not just like I don't remember what I did last week, but like I forgot all the words to my own songs. I remember going to my primary care physician and he was like, you are 100% healthy, there's nothing wrong with you. And my response was, that's impossible, I'm dying. I wasn't working. So I had all of these hospital bills. We had to move out of our home and move into my parents' basement. I just wish I could have truly been present in those big moments, you know, when she took her first steps or, you know, her first day of preschool. Lyme is such a thief and it goes undetected because no one is looking for it. For more information and prevention tips, go to projectlime.org. Bruce DeTorres on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. With me is Matthew Errett, historian, teacher, extraordinaire. One of the main platforms to dive into his work is rising, risingtidefoundation.net. Matt, the American system is the way, to me, it's the way to activate the ideals of the American founding for all our lives here in America. Every 4th of July, Memorial Day, Veterans Day, we, we roll out some praise for our Constitution and our Declaration of Independence. And then we return to being this morass of this compromised, watered down, I'm going to say non-existent United States of America, meaning to be the United States of America, we have to live under our constitution. And since at least the USA Patriot Act and the creation of the Department of Homeland Security and every emergency measure thereafter that has mm. destroyed our rights, we're not under the constitution. We mm. are literally not the United States of America or mm. Americans. So someone reads, the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, the Federalist Papers. Let's throw in Alexander Hamilton's reports to Washington those first few years as his Secretary of Treasury. Now what? Bruce says the American system of economics. Reflect on what I just said, how big a deal that is briefly, because I do want to ask a few other questions. Yeah, it's so big. It's so um, briefly, oh, briefly is hard, but, um, you know, it's like the Hitler Enabling Act, right? Like you couldn't have democracy in Germany after the enab Enabling Acts because, you know, the Reichstag has been burned down and we were told it's commie terrorists. And so, of course, we have to give up our liberties to, re to reinstate some security. And Hitler promises to give up these these extra judicial powers quickly as soon as the problem is, is squashed. Of course, that was never the intention. And we know in hindsight that that the the German Parliament building was burned down by the SS. 
And the intention was to always turn the Führer into the Führer and, and to just murder his political opponents, as as we saw with the Night of the Long Knives and, and Kurt von Schleicher and everything, and put people into prison with no habeas corpus or, or any protections of the German constitution, the Weimar constitution. So, I mean, since... 9-11 that was sort of our hashtag fire and and the enabling yeah. acts were the patriot act and the patriot act was written by joe biden in fact and john ashcroft admitted in 2003 that that he used as the template for the patriot act joe biden's omnibus counter-terror bill from 1995 which was done in response to the first world trade center bombing um which was again in my evidence in everything i've looked at another fbi managed cia fbi inside job that's been proven uh, quite mm-hmm. clearly in my mind, and, and I think proven objectively to justify mm-hmm. exactly what Biden did with Bruce Reed, the Rhodes Scholar who co-wrote the uh, omnibus bill, which at the time was shut down in 95. But it was just brought back when we had a, a bigger shock. And like you said, we've been living under emergency decree uh, ever since with this damn thing renewed and expanded every single year. And now they're expanding yeah. it more to domestic terrorism, whatever that means. And if you look at it, it's like, None of these terrorism, if you look at it critically, never occurred naturally. It's not a naturally occurring sociological phenomenon the way we've been told, just like drug gangs, narco drug gangs are not a natural sociological phenomenon. If you remove the Wall Street, London, MI6, CIA support for Sinaloa, M16 all or M13 all of the the drug cartels of Colombia the FARC if you just re- remove the top down Wall Street London intelligence financial apparatus making it all possible providing the logistics you would see the drug problem disappear in a second you would see terrorism disappear if we just stopped Al Qaeda and ISIS from receiving support from the CIA and MI6 just cut off their support their financial support logistic and others give just stop it just stop it and it will go away. It's not natural. And it's the same thing. Stop the FBI from having their assets walking around in American streets with their face masks on acting like they're American Nazis. Just stop doing that and you'll find American domestic terrorism will disappear as quickly as Albert Pike created the KKK as the first domestic terrorist cell back in the 1860s um, run by intelligence agencies, again, to justify something for very, very bad. So, uh yeah, it's um, it's doable. It, it, and it, it it reminds me some observations of just human nature. That's mm. all we have to work with. The good news is most people are very kind and very passive and very well-meaning. And applying the bell curve uh, breakdown onto humanity, I often describe... Most people just want to do what everybody else does. So when those at the top, the really, really, the better people on the fringes, there are exceptionally good people. And when they get into power, like John F. Kennedy or positions of influence, like Martin Luther King Jr., generally speaking, humanity will also be nicer. But the fringe of humanity on the other side that are really horrible, probably because they're scared, so they're competitive and they're vicious and they are, they're selfish. When they get into influence of uh, positions of power and are rude and selfish, grabbing, taking, let alone outright criminal, 
the vast majority of humanity will just go along. Exhibit A is what the Germans did under the Nazi regime. Too many of them just went along. And exhibit mm. B is how we went along since 9-11 and how we went along because authorities said, wear a mask, socially distance, shut your business, suicidally shut your business, suicidally slit your own throats because mm. we as doctors say, you need to do this. Things that were never done for health ever before. And just take this thing called a vaccine. No other vaccine's ever been created, let alone approved in less than seven or eight or nine or 10 or 12 or 13 years. This one's been rushed out in about a year. It's safe and effective, yes. Who says so? Authority. I'll take it and we rolled up our sleeves. So the bad part of human nature is we'll just do what everybody else does. I forget the original impetus for breaking that analogy and describing all that, Matt, but I got a you thought. can comment on that. And then I've yeah. got a question. I, I, I'll comment on that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's well, see, but that's the whole thing that Ben Franklin was, was warning about when, when, and it, it's clear that the, the founding fathers of the United States, the majority of them, at least, and especially Ben Franklin recognized that they didn't create a democracy. That that's not the point. Democracy was well understood much better than than it is today that it's really just the flip side of tyranny it just becomes if if it's just like the will of it becomes the will of the mob very easily um who are you know the mob is something which occurs when people are not sovereign citizens if you if you want to stop the mob phenomenon of just like how you know individuals will individually act like reasonable people as individuals but you put them in all of a sudden a group and they'll riot and you're like whoa that was out of character well, it's because, you know, the, the, these these people who are prone to riot and get swept up by some sort of a popular frenzy like lemmings, they 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 don't they didn't become sovereign people. They didn't learn how who they actually are. Like Plato said, you know, before you enter my academy, um, the, the you have to study geometry and and then you can study metaphysics, dialectic, then you can discuss politics justice things like that and then you can go out into the world and become an in, an influencer and somebody who's advising generals but you have to build yourself up to become a sovereign citizen to do that meaning know thyself always know thyself and so when ben franklin said you know, when he was asked what did you create for us and he gives that famous story or the famous response of a republic if you can keep it a republic is not a democracy it's a democratic republic so we do have elected representatives, but the only way that it works is if the people are integrating themselves as beings that are both free and duty bound at the same time, right? So we're not duty bound because somebody is telling us to, or because we're like whipping ourselves mm. out of guilt or shame to do the good because we want to reward or avoid punishment, which is the behaviorists idea of no soul actions, right? That get you the effects of good actions, but none of the substance. But it's like to be free and duty bound means you have to have like a sense that you are more free when you are dis so you have to discover the laws of nature, discover natural law, which is embedded in the Constitution. It's embedded in the Declaration. It's embedded in throughout Ben Franklin's writings. I mean, yeah. you need you you know you want to have good a good culture that can enhance that, but then you want to take joy out of the discoveries that you make in that realm of the spirit and the mind and then sharing those you get joy out of watching a child learn something new that you help that kid learn that's a joy to see your kid walk for the first time you know so the, the, that the, type I, of, I, I just yeah 
that type of go ahead finish your thoughts sorry Matt. i was gonna say that that type of that type of learning to jo have pleasure out of the soul's experience and not so much out of the flesh is the way to break out of the oligarchist trap of your personal and, freedom is your desire to do whatever you want eat cake you no. as much cake as you want the consumer society trap and, of fake um and then i'll wrap happiness. it up of, yeah. of fake ident uh, individualism that then ironically everybody's trying to be an, an individual getting tattooed getting whatever uh no, will make them feel like something special not not to say that tattoos are bad but they're but they're like doing it for the wrong reasons because they're like trying to be an individual they're tr right and then I, they I, become I, more I, like a mob they become more mob-like ironically and they lose their well, individualism it, there's so, there's so much safety in the mob because of that tendency to like I, i'm obviously i'm must be safe because i'm blending in with everybody so i can't be singled out as a target but i want to revert to this hmm. i want to inflame more americans every day this is my personal thing for years now to want to be americans and it's by knowing our real history that folks can find through your work matt risingtidefoundation.net your book series clash of the two americas and every and many people around you to this extent it should be easy for americans i know this from when i was a child how i felt about the british when i comprehended the American Revolution and why we had our revolution and how glorious these rights were and this, that, and the other thing. And to learn through your work and others, LaRouche, Anton Chaitkin, that the British have undermined and subverted all the potential and the power and what was good and right for humanity since the beginning. And that battle has been is still going on today and it had it made inroads in america because of traders here who took the money and ran or were so cynical mm -hmm. about human nature like hey if i'm if i have more toys i win and screwed mm -hmm. these people who are poor or uneducated or they don't look like me and their skin color is different so i want mm -hmm. to inflame more americans to know it's our old masters the british at the core of or at least they well represent if not they're the major influence of all that is empirical all that was the empire we rebelled against all that was a colonizer and to really understand the word colonizer if you're colonized you are captured and exploited and then discarded when done by someone who wants to steal your resources or manage you for their maximum profit profitability at your maximum level of enslavement now I want, we've got about two minutes left in 60 seconds matt <laughs> what is your bottom line about the the ufo supposed situation on planet earth oh i you know i'm actually going to release uh, episode two that my wife and I and Jason Dahl, our, our filmmaker friend, uh, have have just composed. It took us three months to make it. Episode one's been out since November. Episode two is H.G. Wells's War of the Worlds. Um, and it's going to be released on Monday or Tuesday, finally. Uh, people can release. people can so, find it where? On Rumble? On your Rumble station? They can go channel? to, uh, I guess, go to CanadianPatriot.org uh, and that'll direct you to the different platforms where we will release it. 
or subscribe to matthewerritt.substack.com and I'll make sure that you know that that goes out as a as a press release with access to it. Um in short, no. I everything that I've seen, every argument for an extraterrestrial explanation for the UFO phenomenon based on what I know about the occult roots of secret societies, the the whole historic agenda by the oligarchy to keep us in the shadows in the cave controlled by a priesthood utilizing uh different forms of pagan deities you know mat controlled by the illusionists to be the thing that we worship and pay fealty to um i can i can, i have i can account for everything that i've seen so far from a human explanation that doesn't require any recourse to interdimensional aliens aliens from this dimension uh, from another galaxy um I, so far, my reason has been able to account for every single argument I've I've encountered. So yeah, and, and that's going to be developed in more detail in the documentary. I am so I am so intrigued because when I was in seventh grade, my brother and I saw a UFO as big as a car floating at the end of our driveway above our street, and then my brother yelled, "Hey, Dad!" And then the the thing went to the horizon. And then it floated this way and it floated this way. It could be man-made. Okay, so it could be man-made. It was silent. It had twirling lights. It was classic. And mm. since then, I've been reading as much as I can and watching mm. lectures and stuff. And um, I'm really intrigued by that a guy like you is saying that because there's there's been I so saw UFO many... too. I, I saw UFO uh, some years back as well. Um we got, and, uh, you got thirty. You got thirty seconds to tell me about it, Matt. No, I mean, I, just to say, I, it was it. I, it looked like a satellite, and then I saw it just took a ninety degree turn. And uh, in part of my research, and this is going to come out more, is the secret science program before, during, and after the Manhattan Project. Uh, who ran it um, from the top all the way to the eighteenth, nineteenth uh, century, even earlier in eighteenth century. What time goes? Into what time is your stuff. TNT show on Saturdays? Eleven to two p.m. Eastern time. Outstanding, Matthew Arid of much renown, many titles, risingtidefoundation.net, TNT host, my friend. Thank you very much for, for uh, joining me today. And here is, uh, nope, actually, thanking you and asking you to come back next time to today's News Talk TNT.